as you know, I have been preparing to uh, construct my own miniature scene. Yes. For those of you who are unaware, I, Alex, love miniatures passionately. One year, I made Kat take me to a dollhouse museum for my birthday. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, the upstairs with the dolls was terrifying. No, not good. I, so I want to make this clear. I do not like dolls. I like miniatures and dollhouses sans dolls. Yes, a much more palatable interest, thank God. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing sort of planning for what I'm going to do for my miniature scene. And I've discovered that it is a little difficult because I'm trying to calculate like what size things should be and trying to scale it down to a 124 scale. And I realized that I have no idea what sizes things are. As you know, I, I'm not good at estimating measurements for things, but truly I've, I've had to Google what's the size of an average door? What height is an average door? I'm, Ooh, I'm looking I up, know these things. I'm looking up things like what size is a bottle? Because like I would think like I know what it should be relative to things, but if I'm trying to construct an object of this size and then scale it down, I need to know what their original measurement is, like a loaf of bread. Interesting. I don't think about loaves of bread very much. Yeah, but when dimensionally. You, yeah, but when you're actually constructing something on a specific scale, you want to be like, well, I want everything to look normal. Is there a loaf of bread in your apothecary? Spoiler alert, it's an apothecary. No, there is. Thankfully, there is not a loaf of bread. But like I have to figure out because there's going to be sort of a gabled roof. Like how tall should that be? Like what's the slope? Like, Sure. Let's go back to the bread. Okay. Do you think <laughs> yeah, that there will be a bakery next to the apothecary? In the future? Yeah. That could be. I guess I can Because like, what medieval- will the yeah. pharmacist have for lunch? That's true. You make a good point. I mean, should he even be eating at his apothecary, which is ostensibly full of chemicals? Well, is he concocting his brews at the apothecary? Yeah, one would think. In the back room, probably. Yeah, in the back room. Or, well, I Is was there a back room? No, I'm, it's one room. So I'm going to set some things in the front. Oh, okay. He's poor, okay? This is his first apothecary. He hasn't <laughs> Maybe he can't out. even afford bread yet. Yeah, maybe not. He's poured all his life savings into this one-room hovel. What if he and the baker became friends and exchanged goods? It's like a barter system. Well, that doesn't seem fair because he needs to eat bread, like, let's say, at least twice a day, right? Sure, but the average value of a medicine is much greater than the average value of a loaf of bread. <laughs> That's true, but the baker, I mean if healthy, um, is not going to require medicine all that often, like maybe once a year. You think the baker would nickel and dime his neighbor? Well, I'm just saying the cost of bread twice a day for an entire year versus the cost of one bottle of medicine for the baker. I mean, this is a different story if the baker is sickly, right? But (laughs) a healthy and hale baker is not going to need medicine that often. I'm just saying math- I'm dying. (laughs) I'm just saying that mathematically, the baker is getting the short end of the stick. Well, but the apothecary has a like how apo- apothecarist apot- apo- pharmacist pharmacist <laughs> the pharmacist. Okay. Look though, um, truly, how, what is the what's the relationship between the baker and the pharmacist? Are they really good friends? Are they only like passing friend acquaintances? Like what? What's the deal? Well, first of all, in time they might become friends, but I don't know. Like, did the proprietor of the apothecary move from another town? Did he grow up in this village? There's so much to address. That's true. You're you're correct. I was just wondering, like maybe the baker over time as their friendship develops would feel less, you know, pressed. Maybe to he has him over for dinner. Yeah, for a fair exchange. However, I am concerned that if they do become good friends and this exchange continues, that the baker will then become resentful of their relationship <laughs> because he's 
providing, you know, food for this man. But who- don't you think that eventually the apothecary fellow begins to do better and can afford food? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess everyone's going to be sick, but everyone's got to eat. <laughs> Well, the banger's also not the only joint in town. He could have other friends, I guess. I mean, does he not work in money? Does he only exchange barter, like like barter items? I don't know how this society works. You'll have to build it, and then I'll find out. And on that note, welcome to Romcomathon. I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. And today we're talking about one of the seminal romantic comedies of our generation, Leap Year, starring Amy Adams, Matthew Good, and Ireland. Let me provide some backstory. Leap Year, a film that tragically I have now seen three times, is the inspiration inspiration for this blog. Can you just hold it together for a minute? I know you love Leap Year so much. (laughs) Sorry for me. In the year of our Lord 2015, when we were still roommates, I came into the living room and found Alex watching Leap Year apparently one of her favorite films beautiful beautiful film i mean maybe not an accurate to see my favorite film <laughs> oh my god i see you've really chosen to commit i'm committing to this bit yeah okay at any rate and i saw on screen that adam scott was playing the douchey secondary love interest something stirred in my memory and i was like i feel that recently i have seen adam scott play another douchey love interest but i can't think in what film So I googled Adam Scott romantic comedy douche, and this led us to a list of 70 rom-coms that someone had ranked and like briefly summarized. And we objected to some of these rankings, and we were really offended, I think, that definitely maybe was not on the list. It was either not on the list or it was low. It was something like that. And we were like, we should make our own list. And then we were like, we should have a blog. And then we were like, ha, I don't think this blog's going to last very long. But here we are four years later. And now it's a podcast. Indeed. At any rate, if anyone's wondering, the other Adam Scott movie that I had recently seen was Sleeping With Other People. Now that we've gotten that important backstory out of the way, please summarize your favorite film for us. Ahem. I actually, I, I feel like I must take a moment to be out of character <laughs> and say here that if anyone is under the impression that Leap Year is actually my favorite film of all time, you must leave now. <laughs> Put down your headphones. Stop listening to this podcast. Goodbye. She is, however, not lying when she says she's seen it a lot. A lot, a lot. It was on Netflix for a long time. Yeah, don't make excuses. Okay. She also loves Matthew Good. Yes. That part is unironic. Yeah. Go so, on. anyway. Amy Adams plays a crazy uptight person living in Boston in a stable but boring relationship with her workaholic cardiologist boyfriend, Adam Scott, who is not like a huge asshole, but kind of a dick. He seems like kind of fine. Like he's not terrible. He's not terrible. He's not terribly attentive. Yeah. He's not interesting. Sure. They, they don't seem to be a wonderful match. I mean, they kind of are at the is beginning. Is she interesting? No, she's not. So I think at the beginning of the movie, like when you're like, oh, they don't seem well matched. They actually do seem well matched. They're both like really into work and status and wanting this beautiful apartment. Like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think you should get into the plot so that we can talk more about that. Okay, sure. So anyway, she's like the next step in our relationship is obviously getting engaged and he should be proposing and she thinks that uh, she they go out to dinner together and she thinks he's going to propose and then he doesn't. And She's she- very plan oriented in general. Yes. This seems important to mention. 
relationship. Yeah, she's she's like, I'm on a timeline here. Like, I got to get married. And she meets up with her, like, unreliable, jovial Irish father, John Lithgow. And he is like, oh, you're going to get engaged. Well, you know, it's leap year. And there's an Irish tradition where on leap day, women can propose to men. As if they cannot do this the other days of the yes, year. Yes, the remaining, you know, like, 1,200 days. Yeah, so it's, like, really insane to me and just her luck uh basically adam scott is about to go to a work conference in dublin and so amy adams decides that you know what fuck it she's going to go to ireland and propose to adam scott on leap day so she's gonna surprise him so she takes the plane over but the plane gets diverted by a storm to wales and then she has like some shenanigans basically trying to get to ireland in what is like the storm of the century it appears (laughs) um she ends up in this tiny little town of dingle in ireland and meets the proprietor of the only establishment in town, uh, Matthew Good, who is like a cranky, grumpy, just folksy Irish man. With a hilarious accent. Yes. And she's like, I gotta get to Dublin. And keep in mind that this is like, I don't know, February 26th, like February 25th. Like she has a while. I believe that in our blog entry, we described Ireland as being the size of a postage stamp. Yes. And it's like she's she has like three days. So I don't know what's her rush here. So anyway, she tries to convince Matthew Good to take her to Dublin, and he's like, no, but then we find out that he actually owes money to people where his pub is going to get repossessed. And I didn't totally understand why, but yeah, go on. Yeah, me neither. It was, <laughs> they were like, let's just gloss this over. <laughs> and he basically is like, yeah, I'll take you to Dublin for like 500 euro, which I thought was a lot for a three-hour ride, but you know, she's desperate. So they head towards Dublin. A myriad of issues plague their their three-hour journey um, and turn it into a whopping two days. Uh, their car goes... Truly, like, it seemed like Dublin yeah. was like Boston to Chicago. <laughs> yes. Their, their car like rolls backwards into a pond. Um, they get caught in hail. They miss a train. At one point, they have to stay in this like very Irish country farm B&B and have to pretend to be married because the proprietress of this B&B will only allow married couples to stay at her place, um, which begs some questions. I mean, um, I wonder, are people allowed to stay in separate rooms if they are not married? Yeah, perhaps. Uh, probably, right? Yeah. But in the situation, they are obviously forced to kiss and also forced to share a bed, not convoluted or contrived at all. They eventually end up getting to Dublin after many travails. And at this point, Amy Adams and Matthew Good have developed feelings for each other. But then Adam Scott completely comes over to interrupt their moment. Adam Scott chooses that, t- that time to actually propose to Amy Adams. And she's like, yes, I accept. Matthew Good is like, well, goodbye, rude, like, you know, rude American. And leaves. Uh, Amy Adams and Adam Scott go back to Boston. And it turns out that they've been accepted for the dream apartment. But then Amy Adams discovers, and this pod is stupid. Um, yep. Amy Adams discovers that really Adam Scott only proposed to her because the board of that fancy building they wanted to live in told Adam Scott that they would have, they would get the apartment if they were married. Well implied, but yes. Yeah. So he took the hint. And Amy Adams realized that this is not how she wants to be proposed to, which, fair, and then breaks up with Adam Scott. You know, fast forward, I don't know, some undetermined amount of time. Probably like a week. Yeah. Matthew Good has saved the pub, has turned it into a fabulous restaurant packed full of people. Oh, you're right. It's been longer because of the pub. Yeah. Yeah. And Amy Adams goes to win Matthew Good back and is like, let's date and, you know, be together. Matthew Good is like, I don't want to date you in the most dramatic way possible. I want to marry you. They've known each other for three days and they get married. And that's the end of the film. 
Yes, I would like to say first that this timeline was grotesquely long for a trip to Dublin and grotesquely short for a courtship. They have kissed on the mouth exactly one time before they decide to get engaged. They share a second kiss post-engagement. Like, they're Mormons. Um, Okay, but let's talk about the Adam Scott situation. I must say, I don't find it that offensive that he was like, we should get married and together achieve our apparently shared dream of having an apartment above the common. Yes. Because if this is your shared dream, why not get married and share it? And this was really her shared dream. Like we see her- She's obsessed. Yeah, we see them interviewing for the apartment at the beginning of the film and she is laying it on thick. Yes, it's not like he wanted this apartment. What a callous man to get engaged just to get this apartment for himself. They both really wanted this apartment for, it seems, an extended period of time. It does seem fair that if this is the like you the would one thing think, that tips him over. Yeah. Well, he was kind of like, we probably would have gotten around to it eventually, which I don't find crazy. Yeah, I don't think it's perhaps the most passion. It is not the most romantic. Yeah, but... It certainly is reasonable. Oh, there's the lights. That was early. Did we talk about miniatures for too long? <laughs> well, it was also a lengthy summary. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, there was a surprising amount that I had to summarize for a movie that yes, had and, not a lot going on. And you left some stuff out because what actually happens is that she and Matthew Good have like a whole thing about like, what would you save in a fire? And she's like, super offended so first of all does she pull the fire alarm yes at her like engagement party i was confused because i was like why would anyone have a fire a pulled fire alarm in their apartment yes and that she was like this is how i'll i'll find out the truth yeah (laughs) or was she just trying to leave the party i don't know but she pulls the fire alarm and discovers that that adam scott would like save the electronics which is reasonable i I was gonna say i don't find this crazy at all especially in our day and age when like pictures and everything are all on the phone and all your private information and that's how you communicate like you should take your hard drives yeah um and she but the funny thing is i remembered her as being deeply offended that he like didn't try to save her or something but i i had misremembered what actually happens is then then she goes to matthew good and she's like and i found that like i had all this stuff but nothing that i needed or something and i was like but i i don't know about you i need my phone (laughs) (laughs) well you know what i think in that case amy adams and matthew good are post-marriage are just going to give up all material possessions move into a van and just drive around ireland which will take them up a week it, it seems like that is their plan. They just get in the car and they're like, toodly do. Yep, and they go off. Yeah. I did really enjoy that part where they're like at the Airbnb and it really highlights the ludicrousness of this film where he's basically like, oh, the proprietor is basically like, oh, I can't take you to Dublin because my wife went there this morning to get groceries. <laughs> Which told me that at most Dublin is what, like an hour away? At that point, maybe like two. Yeah. Well, two hours is a long way to go for groceries. Well, but, you know, it's weird. I don't, I was like, is Ireland really this, like, rustic that there are no trains and buses? Like, what's happening? Well, it was Sunday, remember? The trains weren't running. Oh, it was Sunday. Because he was actually, so when they go, the reason they end up at this this B&B is because the station master, essentially, at this train station, they missed the train. Um, going to Dublin because they inexplicably decide to climb a hill to a castle. Okay, but let me point. Let me talk about this castle, right? So they, it didn't feel like they were there that long. though. Yes. So first of all, they get to this train station, and the station master is like, "The next train to Dublin will be here in like two and a half hours," and they're like, "Okay, cool." And Amy Adams is like, "I'm just gonna stay here at the train station until the train arrives," 
And Matthew Good is like, well, there's a castle over there, you know, it's like, and it's 15 minutes to the top. I would like to point out, he says in the film, it is 15 minutes to the top of the castle. So they walk to the top of the castle. Okay, 15 minutes have passed. All right. Okay. They do not spend two hours at this castle. Half an hour tops. Yes. 20 minutes. And yet suddenly the train is like pulling away and they rush down to catch the train. Also, they're it. running for quite a while. Like it, that was less than 15 minutes. Yeah. Time is just all over the place. I don't know people. if they entered like some kind of weird wormhole at the top of the castle. What happened? Did they black out and lose two hours? But it definitely didn't take Matthew Good that long to tell this Irish folktale. Yeah. And the fact that they missed the train because somehow we're supposed to believe that two and a half hours have gone by. I was like, I'm... I'm confused. Also, like, wouldn't you think Amy Adams, the, like, self-described planner, would keep an eye on the time? Yeah. I mean, I did think she was ridiculous when she was like, I'm just going to sit here and wait two and a half hours. But also, I was like, yeah, 15 minutes at the top of the castle, that's pretty reasonable. 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back, 15 minutes at the top of the castle. What's there to see? Yeah, you still have an hour left away for the train. Yeah. If not more. Yes. Have a cup of tea. And who she could have gotten a scone. Yeah. Anyway, the... The station master at this train station then takes them home because they're all like bedraggled and wet from the storm that rolls in to his wife who happens to run this B&B. And that's where they have pretend to be fake married. It's somewhat delightful. It's probably the best chunk of the film. Aside I think from- I had built it up a bit in my memory though. And I was like, it was less delightful than I remembered. Well, I mean, how could you choose? This whole movie is pure gold. But I think this is like the standout moment, like the maybe the platinum moment of this gold film. I will kill myself. So there's so many stages to the fake dating thing. When they arrive, they're still very antagonistic towards each other. And then he kind of finds out that she's such a planner because her dad was so unreliable. Yes, it was backstory time. Yes. And so that softens them towards each other a little. And then he kills a chicken. (laughs) And they make (laughs) dinner together. Yeah, she's like very, to be fair, he's extremely callous about that whole situation. I was like, well, that was just abrupt. I mean, like, it's not like I don't know where my meat comes from, but oh. Yeah, I mean, you got to soften her into it a little bit. Like, just a heads up, I'm about to snap its neck. Yeah, she is like, and she's like petting the chicken right before he kills it. Oh, she is? Yeah, she like, she's, well, no, she's kind of like, oh, nice chicken. Yeah, she thinks that they're about to like hang out with this bird, which to be fair, was a bit naive. Yeah, that's I was like, contextually, you were just... Just gathering food for dinner. (laughs) But she's also an idiot because when he asked her, where do you think your meat comes from? And she said, the freezer section. I was like... I thought she was joking. Well, not joking, but like admitting her naivete. Yeah, I guess. She's an idiot. Well, that's indisputable. But (laughs) And then they make what's a nice dinner. He plucks that chicken real fast. Yes, it was remarkable. I guess he's the proprietor of a pub. Yeah. Anyway, which by the way, does anyone else work at this pub? Is it just him? It seems, well, it was him and his two friends who ran off with each other. (laughs) Oh, right. Well, one of them was his fiance. Yes. Not not nice. So Matthew Good's sad backstory and why he's such a grumpy man is essentially that he and two friends bought this like rundown pub in the small town and then turned it around kind of. Or, like, we're going to turn it around. And he was engaged to the woman. And she and his other best friend 
turn around and run off with each other. But like what happened there to leave him in such debt? Were they like, oh, we're going to split out the rent and then like they ran off? They never explained. It's not clear. I'm just speculating now. The movie was like, these are tiny details that no one will ever think about and they'll be too distracted by Ireland. <laughs> yes, and by the beautiful relationship blossoming before their eyes. To be fair, it worked. I, Ireland's I, so beautiful in this film. Ireland's so beautiful. And the relationship too is magnificently done. I don't know that I would agree with that last bit. Just truly so organic and natural. <laughs> I feel like this whole film is almost a documentary. Yes. I admire your commitment to this bit. Thank you. <laughs> um, any rate, so then they're at dinner and the proprietors are kissing each other and these other Italian tourists are kissing each other and suddenly they're under extreme kissing peer pressure. I would like to ask, has this happened to anyone ever in actuality? Has anyone ever been forced to kiss a near stranger? <laughs> At a dinner table. Yeah, like anyone? Well, to be fair, the strangers pressuring them think that they are married. But I think that even with a spouse or significant other, I would be very uncomfortable to be pressured to kiss them for the benefit of our fellow dinner guests. Yeah, it seems inappropriate, in fact, to have to do this. And indeed, the Ita- the other Italian couple who are also staying in this B&B, like, give each other, like, a kiss. I was like, oh no. Oh, the Italians. Not appropriate. And then they're like, oh no, go ahead. And of course, like, as per movie tradition, they give each other a peck, Matthew Good and Amy Adams. And then they're like, what? That's not a kiss. If that's how you kiss, I wouldn't like to see how it, you know, sex reference, insert sex reference here. And they are forced to and have. They are like, like booed into making out. Yeah, essentially, which is. Very awkward. And yet happens all the time in movies. Yes. This seems to be a reality that we accept, that this just, like, is a thing that happens to people. Listeners, if any of you have ever been aggressively pressured by a crowd of people to kiss another person, stranger or spouse, please write in and let us know. Anyway, then they've, like, kind of gotten friendly. There's a little bit going on. They sleep. They go to sleep on opposite sides of the bed and then wake up cuddling, as you do. But not in, like, a way where people would normally wake up cuddling. In a way where it's, like, so chaste and weird. He is literally just, like, has an arm on her shoulder. Like, neatly cupping her shoulder. It's a gentle spoon. Yes. Who, like, the Holy Ghost could fit between them. (laughs) Who would wake up like this? Who would be touching like this? It was confusing to me. Anyway, then later... He's like really bummed because she's on the phone to Adam Scott. And I was like, yes, how dare this girl who kissed you once last night want to speak to her boyfriend of four years? Yeah, that was insane to me that he was like, I had built this up in my head. And I was like, she is literally on her way to propose to this man. I I don't know what you were thinking. You met yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like two things about her. And you didn't like them. Yes. (laughs) Which he has forgotten in the night. Yeah. Well, you know what? Snuggling with a person can do that. <laughs> is it even snuggling? I have a question. When yes. he is, when she is first staying at his pub, she plugs in her phone and somehow this shorts like the entire village. Yeah. And I was like, but how? I guess they just don't have- How did she blow a fuse I- and destroy everything with a phone charger? To be fair, I've been, you know, in the UK, I've been to I've been to places where I felt like the electricity system had not been updated in like 50 years. But clearly she had like an adapter. Yeah, I don't know. Because she's a very prepared person, although evidently, I guess this was before- 
But no, battery packs existed. Yeah. I, I have no maybe idea. Maybe not. It was like 2010. But clearly Matthew Good didn't have a cell phone. I don't know. Maybe no one in this village has ever tried to plug in a phone. <laughs> that is true. It is a remarkably rustic location. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was. There were many coincidences in this film. We've already talked about many of their travel issues. I think a bit of it was supposed to be tongue-in-cheek as the whole thing was sort of centered around superstition. And yet this was a theme they didn't really lean into. But like it kind of felt like that was supposed to be a motif. Well, there were like when Harry met Sally type like old men constantly talking about how it's bad luck to travel on a Sunday or whatever. Yeah, and then it was like a black hat crosses her path and like things like that. I think there was supposed to be sort of a superstition, Irish superstition framing of this film that, I don't know, got lost in editing like never yes, made I it. think there was like a thread yeah I was I was like I feel like I can see in my head the first draft of how this script went and then seven drafts later this is what was produced I found it remarkable that after Adam Scott proposes to Amy Adams and Matthew Good having massively overinflated this relationship in his head is very disappointed and leaves he's like sad in a pub and his ex just happens to find him no I think he contacts her Oh, that was not clear to me at all. I think because he and Amy Adams have this conversation where, well, he, yes. where he tells her about the fiance leaving him and then about how what he would save in the fire is his mother's ring. And then how he doesn't have it anymore because he gave it to the fiance and he hasn't gotten it back. And she's basically like, you should get, get it back. And I think after losing Amy Adams, I guess, this causes him to like reevaluate his life and be like, oh, I need to like get my shit together. And so he contacts the fiance to get the ring back and then saves his own pub. I was wondering why he couldn't have his little like pub fundraiser before. Yeah, I don't know. Because he was depressed? I have no idea. Well, he gets threatened. He hadn't had the idea? He gets threatened by those guys, like, right before Oh, so he's maybe leaving. he wasn't in such a lone sharky situation before. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, again, this situation the was- The lone shark situation is very unclear. Very nebulous. Alex, what would you save in a fire? After the living things. Obviously, we'd both save, like, people and animals first. Yes, I would save the cat. Um, and <laughs> But after that- um, I like uh, tax documents, like things like that. My computer, I would save my computer, my yes, phone. Yes, I think electronics are high on the list. Yeah, I think electronics and like sentimental I identification. I mean, how much time do I have in this fire? 60 seconds. Oh, that's not long. Remember, well, that's the whole thing. She was like, I had my 60 seconds and I found I had all the stuff I wanted, but not stuff I needed. And I was like, um, in our day and age though, like I, I, I do need yeah i would save the i would save the obvious electronic items that i could carry out and then i have a safe that i would save yeah. uh because that's where i keep my documents and yeah that's like that's this basically is very it. practical but i'm telling you amy adams would not marry you but, uh, that's fine i'm getting i, I married <laughs> someone else so like, that's that's okay thank god yeah can you imagine if you brought home amy adams how happy do you think that marriage is gonna be not happy you and Amy Adams. No, Matthew Good and Amy Adams in this film. Oh, yeah. I don't. I feel like soon she's gonna tire of Ireland. Well, not of Ireland's beautiful scenery, but like of the life that she has at this pub in Ireland with Matthew Good. I will. What is she gonna do though? Is my question because so we didn't talk about this, but her job is to stage apartments for selling, which I actually think is a quite an interesting job. Yeah, but. Although Matthew Good is like, so you're a con artist. And you're like, this seems extreme. It's not like the people visiting the apartments don't know. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're here and they're like, oh, we get this apartment and all the furniture. As people who grew up in Boston, 
I would like to be clear, people don't think that a furnished apartment comes furnished unless ex- explicitly stated. Yeah. And in fact, often, especially in Alston, you don't want that apartment to come furnished. No. <laughs> so what is Amy Adams going to do in the town of Dingle now? Because I just feel like the real estate market there is not hopping. Yeah, I just don't know that she's going to be fulfilled, like, arranging meals at the pub for the rest of her life. Do you think that maybe now that the pub is so successful that Matthew Good might consider selling the pub and moving to, I don't know, Dublin, a city he professed to hate? Yes, it's a city of chancers and cheats, he says, because one time a girl left him. Yeah, he needs- he's written off the whole urban center. He needs a lot of therapy. Um, I was going to say, you know what Amy Adams could do is she could set up a bus service. <laughs> <laughs> From Dingle to Dublin. I think there's a market. <laughs> clearly is. Well, clearly there wasn't because the last bus was there in like 1987. I didn't understand that at all. <laughs> I was like, oh, no one. I was from, like, no one from Dingle wants to go to Dublin, I guess. They've retreated. They've, they've become an isolationist nation. <laughs> like, what? I would like to say, I feel realistically that they probably do eventually either give up ownership of the pub or like let someone else take it over or rent it out or whatever and then move to Dublin. I, I There is no way Amy Adams can stay in this Irish village for like longer than 10 days. I just started laughing because... So we did review this movie for the blog and I reread the entry before I watched this movie and I had totally forgotten that. So on the blog, we used to do a thing that we were like, is this poster better or worse than the film? And we would talk about what the poster looked like and that on that poster, we said that Matthew Good and Amy Adams looked like a young urban couple struggling with fertility (laughs) issues. (laughs) And I'm just saying, if they do move to Dublin, they could have that life. Yeah, leap year two. You can only conceive a baby <laughs> on leap day. I don't know. <laughs> oh. I also, is this leap year tradition real? Did you look that up? Um, I th- I did not look it up today, although I did look up the Irish folktale and that's real. Oh, okay. But I think that, yes, it is real. I think I uh, looked it up at the time. It is absurd, though, that in 2010, this movie came out and it was like women can propose to men on leap day. Yeah, they were like, what a hilarious gimmick. And we were like, uh, 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 I was confused as to like why Amy Adams was like rushing all the way to Ireland to do this, where I was like, you could propose to him on March 1st when he returns. I think so. I, I think that would also be fine. Also, whenever women in movies are like, I think he's going to propose or like, I, I've put his name on a list. I hope he gets the hint. I'm like, he could also get the hint if you were, I don't know, tonight in bed brushing your teeth and said, hey, baby, do you think we should get engaged sometime soon? Yes. I. It's always remarkable to me how they're like, oh, we didn't have one conversation about it. And you're like, that doesn't seem good. No, I think both of you should be on the same page when it comes to marriage, a lifelong commitment. My God. Speaking of marriage, a lifelong commitment, when they're standing on that windswept cliff where she has run off to because she thinks he rejected her because when she said she wanted to be with him, he just walked away into the back room. Yeah, that, and he, okay, so I. He's like, psych. I hate this part. Wait, wait, but, okay, no, go. Okay, so let's set the scene, right? She goes to his restaurant. She's pulling what she thinks is like a cute prank on him, which is that she sends food back to the kitchen and is like, it's too dry. And he gets upset and walks out and is like, who said this was too dry? And it turns out to be Amy Adams. And then she like basically propositions him and is like, let's just date. Let's just be together and see how it goes, which is like reasonable. Mm-hmm. And then he just turns around, walks away, as you said, and leaves. And she's like, oh, 
I guess I'll I'll go. This is awkward. And she everyone's staring. Yeah. And she walks to the cliff. Beautiful. And she that's her morning spot. Yep. And then she's like standing there. And then he like follows her and is like, "Where the fuck did you go?" And she made a reasonable. She's move like, here. "I too would flee in shame." Yeah. And he's like gaslighting her essentially by being like, by being like, "Why would you even think this?" It's I was funny. I feel like he's something. like, "This is my funny joke, like yours with the chicken." It's not funny, Matthew. Good. He's like, "I was just getting something." But the part that I was going to bring up was, first I will acknowledge that Matthew Good's face like kind of got me a little. Mm. Um, the part I wanted to bring up was that he gets down on one knee and she says, in all my life, I never thought I'd see you down on one knee. And I was like, yeah, because last week you didn't know he existed. <laughs> They've seriously spent two and a half days together. Max. Yes. I mean, it was a concentrated amount of time, like, but... Sure, camp time, but still. You're not going to propose to someone after, like, three days at camp, are you? I mean, are you? I, I, I don't know what kind of camp. That's true. So many follow-up questions. Yeah. Maybe they did that New York Times questionnaire at the camp. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that that was remarkable, remarkably unironic to me. That was a question I had because I was like, what is this line? Like, I don't even understand. I don't understand it. In all my life, I never thought I'd see you down on one knee. At this point, you've known of his existence in the world for a max of maybe six months. Yes. And like, I even find that a little bit weird with someone that normal that you would marry, that you've been with a while, if you haven't known them your whole life yeah it's just an odd phrasing it's weird it's weird but in this like period of time where she like met him and then left and like came back let's say okay let's say six months right they haven't talked it's not like they became facebook friends in this time and she no was like, he's literally like so are you still marrying adam scott <laughs> yeah like i i mean surely if you can't plug a cell phone into dingo i don't think they have wi-fi like i just I was just so confused, like, in all your life, Amy Adams? Like, oh, okay. So strange. What was your person of color count? I don't know. I think none. Yeah, like, nary a one. Which Ireland, sure, I guess. It's movie UK, but not one person of color in Boston? I mean, I guess depends on the area. I think surely in Dublin. You'd think. Yeah. So that was that was pretty surprising to me. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, the last time we were home, did did we see people of color there? Oh wait, ourselves. Ireland is beautiful. Yes. Stunning. She does not Amy I will say that Amy Adams does not seem to appreciate the scenery of Ireland. She is busy. She's gotta get to Dublin. She's like, I'm gonna walk myself to Dublin. That was so weird. I was like, is she planning to walk? So she just I, like sets off on foot after the car rolls. Yeah, so their their first big setback is that the car like rolls back into a pond. After, Remarkably. After this though, I was like, what are they? A max of like three miles from Dingle? They could just walk back. <laughs> Right, be like, hey, if someone could, you know, give us a tow. Yeah, because apparently the car is in good enough condition that Matthew Good has it back by the credits. Yes, I feel that they could have spent an hour walking back to the village and getting a tow. Amy Adams, for someone so theoretically practical and planning oriented, is wildly impractical during this movie. Also, um, that car rolls back into someone's like farm pond. Could they? Did they not want to knock on the door of this farmhouse and be like, "Our car is now in your pond"? Like that person is just gonna walk outside, fly and be like, "There's a car on my property that was not here earlier," <laughs> unless they're very unobservant like me. 
surely you two would notice in your pod. Eventually, I think I would spot the car in my pod. I'd be like, was this always here? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> did, I, did I do this at some point? Wow. That's you. How dare you <laughs> be so close to accurate <laughs> about me? <sighs> what were your best lines? Um, I really enjoyed that supermarket thing where the proprietor was like, it's a feral jaunt to Dublin. She won't be back for ages. I'm slightly paraphrasing, but basically. <laughs> I think at the very beginning, oh, well, this, I guess, sorry, this isn't a best. It's just her being like, you know, I don't like surprise. And I was like, you seem fun. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I think Matthew Good said, comes as a real shock to find out you speak fluent cow, which was only okay, but this is a very bad movie. Um, How oh. dare you? <laughs> You know what I did enjoy? I How was dare you slander this film, <laughs> madam? I'm sorry, that was rude of me. I know how much you love it. I enjoyed Adam Scott at the beginning when he was like, I really aorta go into the office. Yes, I enjoyed that too. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'd marry him. He has his moments and a very good job. He, he, and he seems very practical, which, you know, I can use in my life. Yeah. I think that would be useful. I think he would make sure that you were all set for retirement, that if you had kids, they would be well provided for. Yes. And he would remember to get our phones in a fire, which frankly, I value in a man. <laughs> Me too. I will say what I value in a man over Adam Scott's practicality is Matthew Good's face. Yes. I, I, I thought about this. I was like, what if I was about, I had been with someone for four years and then I ran off to Ireland and then I came back and I was like, so Alex, just so you know, I'm now marrying a different person. <laughs> would you object or would you see his Matthew Good-like face and be like, I see it. I see that. I will say that I don't feel like Matthew Good would be very personable um, <laughs> at dinner when we meet. So You're right. I don't know if that would be a great meeting the friends meal. So I would be like, well, in these four years, I've gotten to know your old boyfriend who was boring, but fine like normal and he honestly seems to be able to hold a conversation at a party like he's fine and now you're marrying a man who looks like he's never shaved his face (laughs) and grew up in a cave so i don't know maybe i would prefer one or the other (laughs) even though he was so handsome yes okay i think your priorities are in order yeah i know i think the handsomeness only goes so far i mean i say that now but who knows (laughs) who knows when i bring matthew good home watch out (laughs) we will find out I had a worst moment, I guess. I absolutely have a worst. So, so what was yours? On day two of their like odyssey to <laughs> Dublin, they are held up for basically, it was basically almost as if the screenwriter could not think of a plausible reason what other bad thing could happen to them to stall them on their trip to Dublin when they were like, I don't know, 40 minutes out of the town, out of the city. And they were like, you know what? They're going to run, they're going to end up at a wedding um, where the priest will be able to drive them to, du- to the bus stop, not even to Dublin, the bus stop after the ceremony. Should- they will invite them to stay because Amy Adams, despite having hiked her way here, does not want to walk anymore. Yes. And they have crashed this wedding. They are just at this reception. I don't know why the priest couldn't have taken 10 minutes out of the reception to drive them. His job is done, but whatever. And the bride gives a toast to her new husband. And she says some things that I, I truly hate. Oh, um, let them live. They're side characters. If you must steal, steal away oh, my God. sorrows. If you must cheat, 
cheat death. <laughs> what was the last one? I can't remember. Um, if you must lie, uh, lie, lie with, with me, me all the days of my life, something like that. There, there's three. That, that's yeah. out of order, but yes, yes. Just kill me now. Okay, this was not my worst. What was my worst? worst was also at the wedding, though. Oh, okay. It yeah. was later when she's like, "You're a beast." Yes, that was also very. <laughs> yes, that was very bad. First, she's like, kind of being like, "You're a grumpy beast, Luke Danes Matthew Good." Yeah. And then she's like, but you know what? You're a beast with a thorn in his paw. And I was like, I will drown myself. <laughs> this metaphor really got away from her. And then, as if it couldn't get worse, she vomits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so that was a clear winner for me. <laughs> but then I also hated shortly after that, where they're like at a bus stop finally. And they, like, sleep at the bus stop because apparently they couldn't spend the night anywhere else. And, well, they're white, so it's, there's no way the cops would have gotten called on she, them. She, like, so. leaves for a second to go get coffee or whatever or tea. And he has, like, turned his back. And the bus, like, comes and goes. And he thinks that she's on the bus. And then I was like, this bit where the music starts to play while she's coming up behind him and seeing that he's sad is so repulsive to me. <laughs> I think you mean beautiful. This was a poignant moment in the film. The music clearly told us so. I don't know why you weren't like feeling your heart swell at this point. I did not. If anything, my heart shriveled and tried to drown itself. Well, that's just rude. I did a this little bit. This movie gives so much and you just turn your back on it. I do. I turn my back and walk away. Not unlike Sad Matthew Good. Yeah. So rating wise. Oh, heavens. What would you rate it? How could you ask me this? Like like 10 million out of 10, obviously. I feel that it's important for me to balance out this review. No, I don't have the heart. I was going to give it zero stars just to see how you would react, but I can't, how I, I can't do that. How dare you? How dare you? The gall. <laughs> I would say... This movie is maybe around a four. Yeah. <laughs> I would say. Alex must break character so that we can actually score this film. Um, it's, it's a four. It's, it's not good. It's, I think we might have rated a five originally. Yeah, it's not a good movie. And it is very pretty. And if you're looking for something like totally brainless to watch, like, but like, it is also infuriating. So I don't really know. It, it's, it's, we originally scored it, if anyone wants to know. Five out of ten ill-planned, poorly written smooches. That is true. Um, yeah, I would probably lower it even to like a maybe was, a four out of ten. On my second yeah. viewing, I was like, it was worse than I remembered. Oh, my, I guess my third viewing, but I think the first time I didn't see much. Four out of ten Matthew Goods. Four out of ten fires where you'd save the electronics. <laughs> four out of ten extremely long trips to Dublin. How long does that journey take? Let's look it up right now. Uh, is Dingle, Ireland a real place? I don't, I don't know. Let's check. Oh, Dingle is a town in County Kerry, Ireland. Remarkable. Clicking on maps. It is uh, four hours and 17 minutes because it appears to be all green right now. Okay, I guess it's nighttime there. Yeah. So with some traffic, let's say. Yeah, five, like four or five hours. Oh, yeah. A hot second, essentially. This is a day trip. Yes. This is like. A drive to Maine. This is like, I went away for the weekend. 
this is, I feel like people in LA are constantly like, oh, Vegas, here we come. This is about that distance. Yeah, this is nothing. Although I do wonder how far into the trip they were when they were at that Airbnb if the proprietress was going there for groceries. Pretty far. Like, that's why I was so surprised when Amy Adams was like, I won't walk anymore. I would rather spend half a day at this wet at stranger's wedding. You know what's really weird, though? I wonder if this is the wrong dingle. Surely it's the same dingle. Well, because here's the confusing part. Is it on the coast? Part. It is, but it's further from Cardiff than Dublin is. Oh, well, she did get like, okay, so first she gets diverted into Wales and then she like has to basically try to find her way from from Wales to somewhere in Ireland. And she's trying to go to, I think, Cork. Yes, she wants to go to Cork. But the remarkable thing is Dingle is also further from Wales than Cork. Maybe this is a different Dingle. Maybe. Perhaps it's a Dingle that's somewhere between Cork and Ireland because I could see that being... Cork and Cork and Cardiff. So, sorry, between Cork and Dublin. Oh, okay. So, uh, it, it might maybe it's a dingle, a small, a smaller dingle that's on the coast somewhere between Dublin and Cork because then I could see that trip being more like three hours. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the weird thing is, if that's the case, they would be quite close to Cork, and I would think that the logical thing to do would be to get a ride to Cork and then take a bus from Cork and also to buy groceries in Cork. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Learning so much. How many places in Ireland do you think are named Dingle? I don't, I have no idea. Or have Dingle as part of the name? I hope readers give this some thought, as well as what a horrible fake name O'Brady Callahan is. <laughs> yeah, when they pretend to be the O'Brady Callahans. It's awful. And on that note, thank you so much for listening to Ramcomathon. Please follow us on all our social medias. They'll be listed in the credits. And we hope you're having a good week. And goodbye. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.